0: Tawila Blakely is an actor and she is theatrically brilliant but that's not why she's here today to talk to us and to have a corral. She brings a really interesting perspective and insight into her journey through life and I'm delighted that she's with us. Tawila Kia ora. hello to you. Hello,
1: it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. So delighted to have you here.
0: And and I am delighted to speak to you. And, and to a certain degree, I'm also a little bit in awe that you are here today. And that's because I remember a time when I was in the media, um, when you had a, a major breach in privacy and a mm-hmm. tape was leaked about you. And the lens of uh, the nation came on you. I'm, I'm surprised. In a way that you have come back and spoken to me, in, in essence, as part of the media. That must have been a an enormously challenging time. What do you remember of it?
1: Oh, definitely, um, it was an incredibly um, challenging time, and it took me years to recover. So, um, I've actually made a personal decision recently to come back out um, around my projects that I've been doing and things like that. But I definitely enjoyed taking a really big break and stepping back um, just to reassess where I was at with all of that, who I am as a person and how I can navigate my way through uh, a part of my career that exists because media and and being in the public eye is always gonna be a part of what I do as my job. Um, But I also had to be very protective of myself after experiencing what it's like to be so vulnerable and there's not, well, there wasn't at that stage a lot of understanding around women who go through things like that. There wasn't a lot of understanding in terms of the industry, in terms of supporting women anyone who goes through something like that. So I think a lot has changed since then and a lot of has remained the same. Um, so what I do now is when I'm invited to do things, like to speak to someone such as yourself, I really do consider the value in it for what I can contribute. Um, But also I'm very conscious now of protecting myself um, because one really does have to in these spaces. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um,
0: I can only imagine uh, what it's like for, what was, A blip really in Mm. the media cycle but you just said it took you years to recover and I think what can we learn and what do we need to understand about people when they find themselves sometimes in the media spotlight and there's a you know there's pylons and there's flippant comments made what do we need to understand about the path and the journey I guess that we're all on in life and how we respond to something
1: like this totally um well, I think, unfortunately, like, as an observer of the whole situation, um, as much as it was on me, I also like to step back and look at the bigger picture. And, I mean, unfortunately, as you know yourself, Rachel, with recent experiences, people are just like this.
0: Mm.
1: People are just like that. And and I think they always have been. But with the... Um, growth of social media and everyone being able to express whatever thoughts they have, which, you know, in the past they weren't able to. And, you know, people like to do that. They feel they have the right to do that. Um, But what they forget is social media seems like it's harmless because, oh, I'm just typing something. But you are specifically talking about someone who's a real human being, just like yourself. And I think that people really do tend to forget that, you know, and it's that whole old thing, you know, teach people how you'd want to be treated. And people certainly do not do that. Because I don't think that anyone who would, you know, tear down someone personally and say there's just, you know, it just amazes me how cruel people can be to other people. Um, And you know yourself, you would never want someone to treat you like him. Like, you know that. But I, and so I just think it's people are just forgetting that personal responsibility. And I do see that division is kind of growing more than um, people wanting to come together. And when there's an opportunity to pile on someone who you disagree with, people just love it these days mm. and and most certainly back then. And Cause remembering what I was put in the spotlight for was of sexual nature and, and women will always be denigrated when it comes to sexual things. And so when there's an opportunity to do that, people love it. They love it. Yeah.
0: And it has lasting,
1: it lasting does. Yeah. The reason, the reason it took me years to recover was because the public sort of, you know, abuse or whatever, um, lasted for years. So like you said, it was a blip in the media, but the personal you know, repercussions for me lasted for years, years and years and years. And I mean, I still get comments today. There'll still be one person and I'm just like, I don't think that's ever going to leave my stratosphere, but it certainly does not affect me now the way that it did then.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, you know, through the lens as, as you are and were then uh, a mother, you know, that's very challenging, and a daughter. Yes. You know, all of the the family. I think people forget that when um, you are under siege, it is not just you, it's those who love you or you love who also carry that.
1: Absolutely, and most especially at that time, you know, first and foremost, my son, because he was quite young at the time. Um, And that's just horrendous for a young person to have to go through, um, especially when I'm the parent. And then, of course, my mother, who is Samoan and lived in Samoa at that time. And when those kind of headlines hit a place like Samoa, they hit very differently. I mean, it was horrendous here. (laughs) It was a whole other level in Samoa, especially the kind of people we are, and what we hold important. And, you know, it's hard enough to be seen as a woman in the West in that way, but it's really difficult as a Samoan.
0: Um, I went to uh, my son's school recently and they had uh, a presentation on social media. And one of the things that really resonated with me is that um, the police were there uh, giving the conversation and um, some of the teachers as well. And they said, before you tweet or before you post on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, imagine the billboard outside your front gate. And what you're writing is outside your front gate with your name attached to it. And I think that really helps shape. If I remember that, and I hope uh, certainly the, the the students do too. I think that shapes what you go out and if you put your name in the classroom.
1: Absolutely. I wish people would take into account that it is very much like that, but people don't sort of take that on. So I hope that the children um, and young people do um, sort of develop more awareness around yeah. that and understanding. And I think for me. Um, going through something of the nature that I went through I also sort of applied that to the situation itself and have since spoken on that you know I've gotten quite a few interviews and um, questions over the time about girls who find themselves in a similar situation and what I would say because I really do believe this about being an empowered um, female when it comes to our sex lives and our privacy which we have the right to and we can also and when it comes to sexuality the same as any other human being we can choose to be however we want to be we don't have to adhere to these archaic rules and understandings of what that is and so I'd say to these girls like what would happen to me um, if you are going to send something Think about the fact that that could end up on a billboard that could end up somewhere you don't want if you were sending it to one person you're putting it out there into the stratosphere so think about it like this if that ended up everyone you knew saw that if if that ended up on a billboard would you still send it and if you don't have the confidence to do that then, then perhaps it's not a good thing to do conversely If you don't mind, because also women can actually do whatever they want and feel completely empowered in doing that. If you are okay with that, then be okay with sending that. And so with me, that's totally how I approached it at the time. I was like, but I was okay with that. That was my decision. I wasn't okay with it going up into the public, but that's no one else's business but mine. And so no one should really judge me on what they would do. You know, I don't judge anyone on what they would do. I only judge myself on what I would do yeah
0: You mentioned um, your mother, Ooh. your late mother Ooh. and I read a piece online uh, that you had written about your mum, and I found it really touching because I think at the time you wrote it, it was approaching the first anniversary of your yeah. death. yeah, and it was a really reflective piece mm-hmm. and I loved the honesty because uh, you spoke so so strongly for your love for your mother. And also there was aspects in there of forgiveness and acknowledgement of how we all wrestle our way
1: through motherhood. Um,
0: she had an enormous influence on the life side.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, my mother was a force, you know. <laughs> she was a force. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful that we had the journey that we had by the time she passed away um, and the place that we were at, um, I'm so grateful. And I think it's really important as adults or even as children to understand our parents, you know, and I hope that one day my son, you know, will do the same for me. Um, losing, I, you know, as a mother, losing one's mother, I believe is one of the biggest experiences you can go through because it's your very first relationship you know we grow inside our mother's bodies that that, and you know as women who have carried babies wow you know that that relationship starts at that moment you know and then you give birth and then you go through the journey of motherhood and um my mother and I we did we had a very interesting journey um there was a lot of brutality, a lot of heartache, there was a lot of distance but at the end there was complete and utter understanding and unconditional love and I'm so glad that I got there in her lifetime and I think um, what it taught me and what, what having a mother like the relationship that I had with my mother taught me is you know we really do have to accept everyone for who they are we can't wish that people were different or, you know, we, we just have to take what having a mother like I had has taught me and what I have come to realize and what I know without a doubt is that everything I went through with my mother has come to be a real advantage and a real service to me is as, as difficult and as brutal as it was at times to get to that understanding, to lean to that understanding, um, it is the greatest, um, blessing to me now that that's how it is for me and that's how it was for us. Um, we can't go through life not forgiving people for who they are. Wow.
0: How did it influenced you as uh, a mother?
1: (laughs) Gosh, well, you know, it was difficult for me because I was a teen mum and because I didn't have my mum with me at that stage to sort of help me understand what motherhood was and go through that whole experience. Um, And because the example of my mother was so brutal and so harsh, I was a very hard mother. Yeah, absolutely. But it it was all I knew how. Um, also, I had really extenuating circumstances around me, like, um, you know, it wasn't easy to be a teen mum at the time I was a teen mum. It was very much looked down upon in society. Um, how old were you? I was 16 when I got pregnant. Wow. Yeah, and I just had my 17th birthday before I gave birth to my darling. Wow. Yeah. And
0: how old is he
1: now? He's 31 now <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it's extraordinary and yes. I can't even uh you know I um gave birth at 37. Oh wow um to my son who's now 14 um I can't begin to imagine mm. I struggled at 37 I don't know how at 16 yeah. you know the challenges that you would have faced and you did it
1: on your own mm, yeah. wow mm. yeah it was, um, you learn a lot. Yeah. Mm. And, you, and so you were a tough mum, and, yes. and and, that's
0: and how you were mothered?
1: Yes, yeah. I was mothered very tough, and uh, I was a tough mum, and things were tough. You know, we had no money. We didn't really have a fixed abode, you know, things like that. It's, so you're trying to, to raise a baby, and it was just chaos. All around me, just chaos. And, but again, because my mother was so hard on me, um, I was quite tough. Yeah, you know, and right, yeah, you know, and so I had this resilience from being raised the way that I had been raised um, that I didn't even understand that that's what it was that I was that there was this resilience, that this toughness, and and that's I think what got me through and you know i mean i made so many mistakes so many mistakes and so many things like when you say you gave birth at 37 i wish (laughs) because as i've become you know a more mature woman i look back and i go oh my god i just wish i'd known this earlier i wish i had done things differently which i think you know all mothers go through as yeah. we grow, no matter what age. Absolutely, you know, we do, we do, you know,
0: I'm doing that now.
1: Totally, yes. because motherhood's that one thing that you learn on the fly, and I mean, it's only after you've made the mistake do you understand what you did wrong, but yeah. you can't go back and fix <laughs> it, you're it's like, true. okay, I'm just, we're just gonna have to, you know, go, go that with that, that and yeah. hope you make it up in other ways. And I always say to my son, well, you know, wait too I ain't grandkids, I'm gonna be so different. Yes. Um, but you know, I, 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 um no one thing, and this is why I was able to apply this to my mom. is that never at any point of being a mother have I never not just loved my son more than life itself. And so that's what I really, you know, told myself as I grew and I understood. And I thought, well, although my mum was a really hard lady, and that's putting it lightly, um, she did love me. That was just how she showed her love. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want people out there who maybe have these parents who are really tough and you know, I was beaten brutally you know, and, and things like that. And these are things you learn to go through and it never actually meant that my mother didn't love me. Mm-hmm. It's she, she just didn't know any other way. You know, um, and that's what we have to remember, you know um, and I hope that one day maybe my son will be able to come to understand that about me. You know, Um, and that life was really tough. Yeah. yeah.
0: What is uh, interesting about um, the worlds that you straddle, if you like, is that Samoan Mum, Central Otago Farming Father, that's quite a combination. Oh yeah. And did you find
1: yourself, straddling those two worlds always definitely um and so conversely um and i think this has always been my saving grace is my dad was just the polar opposite and just loving and you know nurturing and and from a completely different world and so i i've found that that has been such a great advantage for me because i grew up understanding how different the world could be, how different people could be, the differences that of lifestyles that people come from. But my parents, you know, came together and that was something else. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I mean, relationships are difficult enough, but when you come from polar opposites, wow, that can be quite tricky at times. And I observed that in my parents' marriage. At the same time, what a great understanding to give me of the world and of people, um, that we're not all the same and our differences um, don't define us in terms of being able to live together and love each other. And, you know, I I know that that's how I look at people today is because of the extremes that I was raised around. Yeah. It's
0: extraordinary. Um, on the issue of society and a fractious society. One of the reasons that you recently came across or peaked my radar I guess was because we've had a pretty challenging time and still having a challenging time in New Zealand which we horribly call the cultural war but really centers around gender and gender identification. Um, Rightly so the trans community is seeking greater human rights Um, some areas of society, including women, feel that the elevation, say, of the rights of transgender women comes at the expense of women's rights. And we can't even get to the point of having a conversation about it because there's so much noise and yelling and abuse and and rage, really, that comes Mm -hmm. from it. Um, You have suggested, um, or you suggested, I think, on, on social media that perhaps the Samoan community could be really intrinsic in helping New Zealanders and maybe wider than New Zealanders to navigate the space and this conversation, how so? Mm.
1: Yes, I, um, well, I possibly can't speak for the entire Samoan community, but um, (laughs) what I did offer to the, I was gonna say conversation, but more of the noise around this whole debacle um, was that as an observer, of Western society and how they're dealing, or rather not dealing with this issue, um, is quite bewildering to me because as a Samoan who's grown up within the Samoan culture, um, we've always had a huge understanding of this. And so I did suggest that perhaps the West could look to Samoans, to Pacific Islanders, to our society, um, which has always had things to teach the West, you know <laughs> we 've certainly yes. gained a lot of things you know from the West and becoming a part of the West, but i don 't know if the West has ever looked to us yeah. in the same way yes. you know, and I think you know like any relationship there 's always things that we can learn from each other, and perhaps it 's a time that the West looked to other cultures who have lived with. I don't want to label our, you know, um, Fine transgender, you know, because I hate labels as well, yeah. but we do refer to our transgender as fa-fa-fine, um, which loosely translate to men with the ways of women. And they are such a revered part of our society. They are so celebrated and so visible and so accepted. And and I would say the greatest part of that acceptance for our wha'wa'whine is of themselves, and I think they're empowered, and they are hugely intrinsic to our society, our Samoan society, how it works, and our society wouldn't be the same without them, and we wouldn't have a society that didn't include them as well as that didn't include men, women, and children, and every part, every kind of human, that makes up a society. And I I think it's really sad that the West are dealing with it the way that they do, de- or rather not dealing with it. And I don't quite understand why it's, it's just so hurtful on all sides. And like with racism, you know, I say this as a woman of color who has lived with it and will always live with it like with anybody who is i mean even being a woman in society is not easy in so many different cultures in so many different you know societies women have it so terribly and we just still have to get on with it we can't make any society work the way that we need it to be for me so that it's easier for me to navigate my way through life please society work how i want you to work Please, everyone on earth, look at me how I want you to look at me and treat me how I want you to treat me. That's just never going to happen for any individual or any group mm-hmm. ever. So it's about what we're really asking for and what we really need to live in this life. And that's why I go back to, I, I I look at it, it could be similar to you know having to live with racism. As long as you cannot hurt me because of your racism, you can think whatever you think of me. I don't care, but don't hurt me because of how you think of me. And I think if the transgender community sort of took that on as well, it's like, I don't think by any means that it would be easy to live in a society as a transgender. But if we as a society can make it that they're never going to be harmed for who they are, then that's a win. That's a win. I mean, it was difficult just to be homosexual even as recently as the 70s, you know, I mean, we have to remember how far we keep evolving as a society, you know, you couldn't just openly be a gay man, you couldn't openly be a gay woman, and this is in my lifetime, yeah. you know, so we have come so far, so I feel like where we're at with the transgender um, issue, um, we've got a long way to go, but far out, we'll we'll get there if we just continue to have conversations we are not going to get anywhere if we're just butting heads up and people you've got to let people speak who you don't agree with Mm -hmm. you've got to let people who you don't agree with live right next to you and be okay with that we can't demand that everybody feel the same way and think the same way that's just never going to happen and it's not realistic and we also don't need it no one requires this to live that's my thing
0: isn't this a remarkable corridor that we've had? Because we haven't even talked about acting, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, you have been uh, amazing to talk to Likewise. and I really enjoyed the insight and the perspective you bring and oh. I hope you bring to everybody. Um oh, thank you so um, much. What a journey. One thing I would ask you finally, like how you've got to here is a remarkable journey through life where so much has guided you, changed you, um, impacted you, what's your hope for your life in future, for the next 30, 40 years, yes, however many? Yeah,
1: well, you know, I'm 48 now, mm. and I sort of take stock of where I'm at always, and I go, wow, there's been a lot of my life in these first 48 years that have been really tumultuous, so I would like to the next 48 to be a lot more smooth sailing. And I mean, life can happen to you, man. I I always, you know, I'm like this, be prepared for anything. But again, what my life has taught me is that I will be able to handle anything, anything that happens to me, anything, whatever that may be. And I also, with my maturity, sort of know how to keep my life a lot more smooth sailing now. Um, So I just want a lot more peace, um, a lot more love, to continue, and also to always hope that while I'm here on this earth, which is a finite time, that I just do my best to contribute to the world in a positive way and to all the people that I know. And And we are certainly navigating our, ways, our way through really, really choppy waters at this point in time, and I don't know if the world's going to get better going to get worse before it gets better but what we need right now more than ever is to remember that we are all just human beings on a journey mm. It's very simple. we're all
0: just walking each other home absolutely
1: <laughs> yeah. well it's been a
0: delight thank you so thank much thank you thank you thank, thank you, you. Thank thank you. you. <laughs>